0: Welcome back to church. It's uh, good to be back and seeing you guys in person. Um, two weeks on Zoom was—it was enough for me. <laughs> it's, last week we had all this technical problems. You guys didn't hear the music, and once you, you, know, and then you would, and then you wouldn't, and then I would hear like this, like, like from people, and Josh would call me, and he would say, "I don't hear any music." And so I'm glad it was just one week. Um, today I'm going to continue my sermon series in, on hidden things and. Today's topic is on shame, and I believe that this topic has been something that's been God's been really placing on my heart to preach. And I, I like it when God like is very clear about a topic that He wants me to preach, because I know that the sermon is not from me, right? I mean, usually it, it's not from me. It's you know, a lot of times it's the Spirit of God speaking um, through my sermon writing and prep and all that. But this time, definitely, I feel like God's. Uh, Uh, Heart is in this sermon. Um, And so today I want to continue uh, with this topic and talk about shame. And in in order to talk about shame, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, the beginning. right, Um, Genesis 2. We're going to start with Genesis 2 and then we're going to go into Genesis 3. So we're going to start with Genesis 2 verse 25. uh, And I'll read it to you guys. Um, I'll read 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both both naked and were not ashamed. I want you guys to keep that in mind. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband and he was with her and he ate then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you? and the Lord, uh, okay, we're in right there at verse 13, right? So one thing, uh, it's very clear. Um, the one thing that we can learn from this account in Genesis is that the blame game has started with the result of sin, right? It's like, you know, like what happened in Adam, and he's like, "All oh, the woman that you gave me, right? It's like, it's not just, it's not my fault. It's my my wife's fault, and then it's your fault because you gave her to me. She gave me the fruit, and she ate. And then God's like, "What have you done, Eve? And then Eve is like the devil made me do it, right? It's like it's not my fault. The devil made me do it. And so, you know, ever, ever since the beginning, this blame game has been happening. But if you, if we really read this passage correctly, before the fall, before sin entered the world, before Adam and Eve, uh, you know, ate of this fruit, before the serpent came and lied to Eve and and tempted her, the, God's original intention for man and woman in paradise. Right, was for us to never experience shame. In right? verse 25, chapter 2, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Right? That's how God made us. He made us so that we would not feel shame. And after they mess up, God calls them, they're hiding, right? They're hiding from God. And Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God is like, who told you to feel shame? All right? Like, like, like who, who, who? You know, like I never intended you to feel this, and who said that you you should feel shame? And notice how foundational this truth is. As soon as they fall from grace, God questions them not not about their fear, not about even their sin, but their shame, because shame is one of the foundational results of the fall. When Adam and Eve fell from grace, right? When sin entered the world. One of the foundational effects of that was shame. you know. And not only was shame a foundational effect of the fall, but it's a foundational lie of the devil. The devil loves to use shame to get at us. Right? Shame is a lie of the enemy. It's like, did God really tell you to not eat this? Right? God didn't really say you can't eat this right and and when when you do you know and when they did sin and sin and shame entered into them and the devil latches on to that shame to continue to lie to us to distort our understanding of ourselves to distort our understanding of God and and continue to bring misery into our lives the result of the fall is that we all have the effects of sin in our lives and one of those results is shame the devil will lie to you Right. Do you know that the devil lies to you? His only real thing that he can do is to lie to you. Right? He has no real power over the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? He, he, he's just like a really loud microphone that just comes and just lies to you. Right? He'll come to you and say, you don't measure up. You know? How can God love you if you're so sinful? How can anybody love you? You're trash. You're garbage. Right? You're worthless. And he will use shame to cut us down and just, just wreck our identity in Jesus Christ. And the enemy will continue to ask, attack our identity of who we are with his lies and we give him that opportunity through our shame. Right? Like, like, you know, the devil will look at you and then, and, and he says, oh, like, I'm going to introduce shame into their life and as soon as they have the shame in them, it's going to give me a voice. It's going to give me a step stool in which I'm going to be able to continue to, to, to ruin their lives. When Adam and Eve fell from grace, they were ashamed. And that gave the enemy an opportunity to lie to them about their worth, about their identity. And he's been doing it ever since. He continues to use shame in the lives of the people of God to continue to get at our worth, our identity, who we are. Shame is from the devil. Shame was never something that God wanted us to experience, right? God didn't invent shame so that one day, like, all right, Caleb, I want to create you, and then one day you're gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do something, and I I made it so that you will feel shame. No, God never intended us to feel and experience shame. Jesus came and He conquered sin and death, and so there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So when when we feel shame, it's not from God; it's from the devil. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the devil. He continues to lie to us through shame. Now I'm not talking about feeling embarrassed, right? We all feel embarrassed, right? We've all had dreams where we, we were at school and you know we're naked and I was like, ah, you know, like I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, right? There's been times where I've, I've been embarrassed, but shame is is something that's very different, right? Than just embarrassment. Shame, it, it, it's it's an attack of the enemy where he, where it's attacking our self worth. When I feel embarrassed, I'm not like oh, like it, I, it doesn't like wreck my self worth and and I, the identity of who I am. I just feel like oh, I feel you know like shy, you know. But then shame is this is this thing where it just attacks our self worth and there's no redeemable aspect to what shame is because it's completely from the devil. And shame is destructive, right? Because it points to who we are and not what we have done, right? Like there's different between guilt and shame, right Guilt right, we're guilty of sin, all of us right We're all guilty of sin. Guilt is a legal matter and there's substance to it, right There's substance to get guilt. Shame is just hearsay. It's like me going up to a kid and like say like Ethan, I go up to Ethan and I tell him, "Hey, you made a mistake right You made a mistake here." If I go up to it, he's doing something, and he makes a mistake. I can say, "Hey, Ethan, you made a mistake." That's like guilt. Shame is like me going up to Ethan and saying, "You're stupid. Right? You're stupid. How can you do this? You're stupid." And we sin, and that's wrong, right? We have guilt, but we stand on the blood of Jesus Christ. We stand on His grace. We stand on what He has given to us—His forgiveness—and we have our identity in Christ Jesus. Because of what he has done, and God says you sinned, now I want you to repent, right? That's what guilt is. Shame says you're a sinner. Shame says you're evil, you're wicked. Shame says you're a pervert. You're this, you're that. It's it's getting at the identity of who we are. It's getting at our self worth, and it's actually attacking the central aspect of the way that God made us. God said, I made you in my image. But shame says, No, you're not in God's image. Right? But you're this. You're messed up. You know, you're you're evil. You're wicked. So shame is completely from the enemy. But so many times it affects Christians. It's such a such a big aspect of how we live our lives in the, in, in our everyday situation. And we live with that mindset, and we can never fully embrace the transformation that Jesus has in mind for for his people in our lives. Now he says that we're what? We're a new creation. Right? The old is gone and the new has come. Right? Now, that's what Jesus says that we are. But shame comes and says, you'll always be a sinner. Have you ever thought that before? Where you mess up and then just think, "Oh, I'm always going to be like this. You're always going to be a sinner. God's grace does not apply to you. Look how you're messing up so what happens is, for a lot of people that struggle with shame, they also struggle with grace. If you're struggling with shame, I guarantee you're struggling with grace. And instead of standing on the grace of Jesus Christ and saying, Oh, I've forgiven, I've been transformed, I stand on not what I'm doing, but what Jesus has done for me. They think that if they behave correctly enough, right? If they behave and if they act righteous enough, they just might earn God's acceptance, right? That's what shame will cause into our lives. Shame will make us feel like crap and then give us an answer. It's like, okay, if you're religious and if you're under the law and if you place yourself and if you start to really behave yourself, right, behaviorism, then God will accept you. that's That's the mantra that comes into our head. And it's just the voice of the enemy. It's completely denying what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for our sins. You just might earn God's acceptance if you act this way. If you do this. If you don't do this for this many amount of days. But as soon as we mess up, the devil heaps more shame on you. And shame is there to point out, judge you. As soon as you mess up, he's like, Hi, I told you. It's not about what we have done. It's attacking who we are. Right? It's attacking the central aspect of who you are and shame is also destructive because it not only attacks us based on what things that we've done it also attacks us based on things that has been done to us you know that big aspect of shame comes not from things that we've done but things that have been done to us now some of us we struggle with shame and it's not about you know, anything that you may have done it, it, might have, it might be you're struggling with shame because it's something that was done to you now some of you may have been abused I've been in ministry for some time and it still amazes me and it boggles my mind how many women that I've come across that's been sexually abused. It blows my mind. Right? It really does. It like, you know. It, it, I, and I thought like when growing up when I was in, in high school and in college, I would meet like one or two people and I'd be like, <gasps> I would say, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened to you. But as I continue to do ministry, it's just like, oh my goodness. the number is like astronomical, right? And it, it just boggles my mind. Some of you guys may have been physically abused. Or emotionally or verbally abused. You don't have to kid, hit a kid to mess them up. You just have to tell them that they're worthless enough times for them to start believing it. right? That's emotional abuse. Whatever it is, your shame might stem not from something that you have done, but something that has been done to you. You know, I like this definition of abuse somebody said it is abuse is to use an object or a person for a purpose for which it was never designed for right. and 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 when that thing happened at first we think oh this thing that happened to me was bad right It should not have happened to me right but when that abuse continues or that trauma is really bad right something happens to us which we were not designed to designed for and we start thinking ourselves in ways where we're not designed for and we start thinking like oh there's something wrong with me we start to define ourselves through the abuse through the trauma through whatever that happened through whatever that was done to us and you start thinking what's wrong with me shame brings us into this narrative that there's something wrong with you have you ever felt that way? You just feel the shame and you're like, oh something's wrong with me. You haven't done anything wrong, right? Maybe you were abused, but in your mind you're thinking oh something's wrong with me. Something is fundamentally wrong with me. This happened to me, not because the person that did it was wicked, but because there's something wrong with me. What is wrong with me? That's the mantra, that's the narrative that continues to run through our head when we're struggling with shame and it's a lie of the enemy it's a lie of Satan As he, he'll introduce it into your psyche right? and now we live with this shame and it brings anxiety, it brings fear it brings depression, self esteem issues, you can't love yourself you feel like you don't deserve love and you have relationship problems and you trace it back and it's a shame that you're living under therapists, and I'm not putting therapists down right? I believe therapy is good Certain degrees in your life. I've had it before. But the therapists make their money through shame. Because so many people struggle with shame. Especially, even in Christian circles, there's so much shame. right? And They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to process it. And so all of a sudden, you know, they, they feel like their life is falling apart. But then when you really bring it down to the center, it's, just, it's shame. They feel like there's something wrong with themselves. They've been led to believe in their mind. It's the lie of the devil. Something's wrong with you. And he'll, inter- he'll introduce it into your life and cause so much dysfunction. So much dysfunction happens in the lives of people and it stems from shame. Something was done to you and instead of pointing that out and saying that was wrong, I need to start healing from it, the enemy flips the script and says something is wrong with you, that's why this happened to you. And people sometimes live their whole lives With this narrative in their lives, this narrative of shame, and they don't even know that it's affecting their life because it's become so normal. Right? Their mental health, their relationships, their self-image, and some and some people don't even know that they're living under this this thing, this bondage, because it's been part of their mindset for so long. Right? It's been part of their mindset. It happened at such a young age. When I was really young. My dad was, like, borderline abusive, right? He would, like, hit me. Never because he was just angry one day and wanted to hit me, but I would do something stupid and he would just, like, hit me. He would say, oh, you're stupid. And then I, I had a really mean older sister, right? She was, she, like, she, at one time in college, she invited me up to her school and then she, like, asked for my forgiveness. It was like, my name in in America was named Chin. She's like, Chin, I'm really sorry that I was such a, like, and this is her words, shitty sister, right? All right. Uh, I'm sorry for cursing up here, but that's what she said. She's like, I'm really sorry, right? Because she really was. She was very abusive to me. And she would she would know exactly what to say to make me feel like really low and like really stupid, right? And so, like, and I didn't even understand this, but then as I was growing up and as I was starting to become a man, like I always felt like inadequate. I always felt like I was like something was wrong with me. Like I felt like something, like, you know, like that I, 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 I wasn't qualified, right? And so it led me down paths where I just felt like, oh, I wanted to feel like something, and, and I'm going to talk about that later. But it, like, I didn't know I was even struggling with this because it was such at, at such a young age that this happened to me, right? I was, I was like, you know, like elementary school, middle school. My sister was always older than me, so she was always dominating over me, right? And she was always taller than me until like high school. Right? She was huge. She was like a giant. And one day I, I overtook her, and then she stopped like hitting me. She just started to verbally abuse me, right? Like just, but you know, I didn't even know. It was hidden and, and I didn't, it wasn't even part of my consciousness. A shame is a lie. You know, guilt is real. We sin and we feel guilty. That's normal. That's normal. That's from God because Holy Spirit brings conviction. John 16 says, When the Holy Spirit comes, we'll convict the world regarding sin and, and righteousness. Right? That's what Holy Spirit does. When Holy Spirit convicts you, you're going to feel guilty. Right? Because... Technically, it's a legal issue, and you've done something wrong. You've fallen short of the glory of God, and you need to make yourself right. That's right. That's that righteous guilt, right? Like we're supposed to feel that. But shame is not based on anything. It's a lie, lie of the devil that wants to knock you off the foundation of God's truth concerning you. Now, God says this about you, and the devil will come with shame, and and you know. He, God never intended for us to feel this, right? And so, so who is that from? Who is this shame from? It's from the enemy. Right? It's, it's a lie of the enemy and it's one of the, the most like, fundamental laws that the enemy will use to get at our identity and knock us off of God's intended plans and purpose for our lives. So how does shame mess us up? Right? How does it mess with us? Well, Number one, shame distorts our image of God. The serpent approached Eve with this distorted image of God already, right? So, Did God really say that you can't eat of this tree, right? He'll always come and try to try to undermine God's plan. He'll always try to undermine God's you know, like, his character, all these things. And he's like, Did he really did he really say you can you, you can't eat of this tree, right? Any of this tree? And he's like, and then Eve's like, Well, oh, you can we can eat of the tree, but you just can't eat of the tree of the you know, the, that's in the middle of the garden, and he's like, you know, because we, we would die. And the Satan's like, oh, you won't die. God, you know, God said that, but you won't die. God just doesn't want you to eat from it, from the tree, because it's gonna make make you like Him, right? You, you're gonna be like God, and you can be your own God, and you, and you know what? It's amazing, right? You know, you know, it's amazing. You need to feel this, and then Eve and starts to think like, oh, it's 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 it's. What does the Bible say? It's like it was good for food, it was, it was it was it was pretty on the eyes, right? It like looked good and it was it was good to make one wise and so Eve Eve eats of it. But the devil will continue to come and attack our our understanding or our you know perception of who God is. Did he really say that and he continues to do it today in our lives, like he'll you know, come to us and like, did he really say that you can't go clubbing and hook up with that girl or that guy? Right? or you would die. Right? That's what Satan says to us. Did he really say you should not watch this? Did he really say that you, you shouldn't do that? No. Or you would die? And he says, oh, you're not going to die. You're going to be experiencing your life to the fullest. That's so what the enemy will always come to you and say, you're missing out. Because that's what the enemy said to Eve. He's like, oh, you're missing out, Eve. You can be like God, right, if you eat this fruit. You can you can know what's good and evil. You could be like God, and then and and, and and he and he continues to this day. He's like, hey, did he really say you can't do this, or you would die? No, oh, you won't die. You're gonna you're gonna be living your life to the fullest. You're missing out, right? God's a party pooper. God just wants to rain on your party. Huh? You're not experiencing the wonderful things that God is keeping from you because, you know what? He's just, he's just a downer, right? He's a Debbie downer. And he comes with these lies. And he's always attacking the character of God. Because what does God want from us? Why does He want us to obey? Because when we obey, we are able to experience the fullness of what God has for us, right? That can only come through obedience. right? If we want to really have everything that God wants for us, not what I want for myself, but what God wants for us, we have to obey, right? that's the only way that we're going to be able to experience that but then the enemy will come and say you know what God's holding out on you and then so Eve she takes the paint. she's like I'm going to eat it gives one to her husband I'm not doing this by myself dude you're going to eat with me and he's like okay (laughs) and then shame comes upon them why do they do it all of a sudden they feel naked they start sowing fig leaves and covering themselves and then what happens is you know, they hide from God, as if they can't hide from God. But all of a sudden, God doesn't seem the same anymore. This distortion of what their their perception of God changes. He doesn't seem so loving anymore. He doesn't seem like He is for us. He doesn't seem so forgiving, so gracious. Now they have this distorted image of God. Why did they hide? Right? this is God like they want so I created you for paradise why did they hide from God it's because all of a sudden they're like oh I don't think what we thought God was isn't really what who, who God is and they have this distorted image of God and shame will bring that into our lives it will distort our image of God here's a crazy thing about shame what did God say that we are made in the image of we're made in the image of who of God right and what does shame do it distorts our our, our perception of who we are. It it distorts the image of who we are. right? And because we're made in the image of God, when the image of ourselves is distorted, how we see God and His image gets distorted. Did you guys keep, keep track with that logic? We're made in the image of God, right? And so when how we see ourselves gets messed up, what happens is how we see God gets messed up. And this happens all the time. We feel crappy about ourselves, and now we we look at God and how we see God changes. He can't love me. I'm this way. Why would He love me, right? He's not for me. You know how many times I thought that I do something bad, and I'm like, oh, God's not for me. God hates me. He just wants to punish me. He just wants to judge me. He wants to punish me, right? We we all have those feelings when we when we do things that are outside of His will for our lives. But here's the truth. God will all you know what we will all face God in judgment, right? Every single one of us. We will all face God in judgment one day. We'll all stand before Him and give an account. But right now, God doesn't judge you. Do you know that? Because He sees you through the blood of Christ. He doesn't want to punish you, even though you deserve it. He doesn't want to punish you because Jesus already took your punishment. Because what he did Mattered for eternity. But we're living with shame, it distorts this image, and all of a sudden we feel like, oh, God's judging me. We put these human attributes of, like, how we would respond on God, and it just, dist- because our image of ourselves is now distorted, right? Enemies saying like, you're, you're crap, you're this, you're that, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm, I feel crap. And now we look to God, and it's like, oh, God must hate me, God must, what I hurt me. God must wants to punish me. And all of a sudden, our understanding of God is distorted. It distorts our image of God. It, it, it just makes us, you know, it, it like, like this is God. And then all of a sudden, we have this completely other, wrong, sinful understanding of who God is. So number one, it distorts our image of God. And number two, shame causes us to distance ourselves from God. What did Adam and Eve do? Once they sinned, they hid from God. But now that they have this distorted image of God and that distorted image now causes us to hide and distance ourselves from God. Shame makes us feel like God doesn't love us. He doesn't he's not for us. He doesn't care about us. So now we distance ourselves from God. We don't realize that he loves you no matter what, right? That Jesus died for everything and anything and every sin that we have or ever will commit in our lives, that His grace and His love is abounding, is sufficient that He is for us but shame comes and lies to us He once again flips the script and now we feel far from God because it's a distorted image Oh, God doesn't care about me God doesn't like me, God hates me God wants to punish me, He wants to judge me and as we distance ourselves from God Right, We're trying not to hear from Him. We're trying not to see Him. It's like like we ghost God, right? How many of you guys have ghosted God before, right? Usually you feel like you do something bad. And all of a sudden you feel shame and you're just like, oh, it's just going to ghost Him for a while, right? And we hide. And we wallow in our shame, right? And all of a sudden, like, you know, that thing that caused us to, to feel shame, we're just wallowing in it, right? We we'll wallow in this identity that was never meant for us. God never meant us to experience shame, but but it causes us when his when our image of God gets distorted because our it, our image of ourselves gets distorted. Now we're just wallowing in shame. And number three, shame distorts our identity in Christ and undermines what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Shame messes with our identity, right? Now everything that Jesus says that we are in Him goes out the window. That we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we're precious, that we're blameless, that we have been bought by a price, that we're royalty, that we're a royal priesthood, right? That we're co-heirs with Christ and seated with Him in the heavenlies. That there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That nothing in the universe, in heaven or in hell, No life nor death, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of that and so many more promises of God starts to go out the window as soon as we start to really wallow in this shame. Shame comes in and with a simple lie undermines everything Jesus has done on the cross. Not in reality, right? Satan can't undermine what Jesus has done on the cross, right? Not in reality, but in our perception, in our minds. He like sets up camp in our minds and Satan knows that he, he's, he knows that he's already defeated. Right? Do you know that Satan already knows that he's defeated? Right? He knows there's there's nothing that he can do. He knows that he has no power over the cross. But if he can get us to believe in a lie, right? If he can just camp out in our minds and start to make us believe in a lie. Can mess with us and, and make us think that all of the things that Jesus Christ did on the cross and all of the identities that I have in Christ Jesus, we just toss that out the window. That happens when we start to, to live in shame. Oh, something is wrong with me. Why would I do this? Why would a Christian do this? Oh, and then all of a sudden, as we're but like none of the, the words that are spoken over to us by God, like it's it just <laughs> you're a real priest with no. To God. And he can come with come at us and he can mess with our fruitfulness. And that's number four is that shame keeps us from being fruitful. Here's the thing: if we are in Christ Jesus, nothing can snatch us from his hand. Who believes that? Who believes that? Who truly believes that if we are in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from him, right? Nothing can take Nothing can, you know, like snatch us from his hands. And so if the enemy can't take your soul, what he'll do next is that he'll take your fruitfulness. He'll try to make your life miserable so that you can't go and spread God's love and his good news to the people around you. If you can mess with your identity enough, you can't raise your kids in the ways of the Lord and advance God's kingdom. You know, God plans to advance this kingdom, his kingdom, through your family. And that's the way that God does it. So much of what we talk about is not about salvation because if we're saved by grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, it's a done deal, right? But the devil is not done with you when you're saved. If he can't get your soul, he's going to go after your fruitfulness. He's going to go after the plans and the purpose that God has for your life. So you don't make that impact for the kingdom of God. So that you don't Reach that person at your work. So you, your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness doesn't cause one person to question his, you know, where he is in life and all of a sudden you're able to share the gospel to him. None of that happens because he's attacking your fruitfulness. Does it through shame. that pe- People around you won't experience God's love through you if you can mess with your perception of who you are, your identity in Christ Jesus. So many Christians out in the world that are limiting their God-given purpose and calling, their destiny because of shame. You know, growing up as Asian American in a predominantly white neighborhood in America, I grew up with a lot of shame. Right. First of all, my parents were radically different than my friends' friends. Right. right? Our house always smelled like kimchi. Right? Right? And then I always looked different. And then instead of now Asians are celebrated. Well, they were until this COVID thing. Right. When I was young, Asians were not celebrated, right? We were just like they were like, "Why do you look like that?" Right? And so I grew up with a lot of shame, and it wasn't because of who I am or anything. It's just because just the way that people perceived me. And I felt small. Right? I felt small. I felt insignificant growing up, and then all of a sudden, you know, like I just like exploded one day. I'd already been saved. I got saved in high school. I got saved in high school at this church retreat and I gave my life to the Lord and my life really changed, right? I, like, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to a Christian university. I went to Biola. And then I was like growing up and then one day all of this, this, this my my self-identity just kind of like exploded one day, right? I just felt like, like oh, none of this matters. And then I just went down this crazy path. And you guys, some of you guys know my story. Started doing crazy drugs started selling drugs start doing drugs doing all these bad things stole a car went on a high speed chase came out on the news got arrested went to jail went to prison 4 years got deported that's basically my testimony, right in a nutshell and so and then I came to Korea and I remember when I came to Korea I felt like I felt like I was like the smallest person I felt like I would like end up being one of the homeless people at Soul Station, I don't know if you have ever been to Soul Station, but a lot of homeless people hang out there. I felt like, oh, someone to be. I felt so smart. I felt so insignificant. I felt like my identity has been trashed. And then I started coming to this church. Back then it was called JSCM. So my cousin used to come here. And I remember I would be surrounded by all of these bright like, people like Mina, just bright and like smart and educated, like you know, people that like come from good families and like they're just like you know they're they're out in Korea like you know teaching English and I was just like oh like I can't fit in here right like I just felt so nobody knew nobody knew anything about me right even Mina at the time we were like pretty good friends but she didn't know anything right I was just I just felt so much shame right but like like you know the type of life that I led before this you know, and, and one of the things is like they would always keep the offering basket in the back like that By this media table, and every time I saw it, I would never go near it. I would like just like go around it, and I would like not even come close because I always felt like, oh, if they knew who I was, they're gonna think I stole their money, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the that's like the shame that I was living with, right? And 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 at one point, my life was just like you know, I was just depressed. I would drink every day. I would you know, Korea alcohol is really cheap because soldiers really cheap. I would get drunk every day and. but then all of a sudden God started to speak to me in my heart, you know, He started to reach out to me and then my life started to slowly change. I started slowly coming back to the Lord. Uh, and I would start to go to these small groups and people would start to speak into my life and I started like, oh yeah, that's right. And then I started to st- tell my testimony to small people. I told my friend Song at the time, right? He's from Dallas. I'd be like, hey, this is my story. was like, oh, I knew something was up with you, but he would accept me. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I'll tell other people, you know. And one day, God was like, "Caleb, I want you to tell your testimony to the church." And I was like, "Heck no, God! Like, you, you're talking, you talking nonsense there, God! Like, I can't say this. And I would all tell, people would say, "What are you doing here, Caleb?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm just here, you know, visiting Korea." Nobody knew I, I got divorced. Nobody knew that I can't go back to America. Nobody knew that all this—I was in prison for four years, right? And God kept on talking to me. He's like, "Hey, I want you to, I want you to say this. This, this, this is the." this is the ceiling that's keeping you from really growing and really experiencing me fully right? so I was like oh. and I remember the time the day that I decided to do it I was like praying in the subway and then Jesus told me like hey I need you need to tell your testimony and I was just like wrestling with it and I missed my subway stop and I ended up all the way in Chamchil. I don't know if you know what Chamchil is but it's all on the east side of Seoul I used to live in Sadang which is like right in the middle I remember thinking, like, oh, am I really going to do this? And I asked my pastor at the time, and he's like, all right, well, what happened to you? Tell me your testimony. So I told him my testimony. He's like, oh, you can tell your testimony. So I went up to the church. I remember, and I, I, like, kind of, like, went up there, and I, all these people were looking at me. Mina was one of them in the back, doing her laugh, like, ha, ha. You know how Mina laughs? When things get uncomfortable, she's just like, ha, ha, ha. I'll tell my testimony. And I remember at that moment, it was like this moment of healing and deliverance where I just felt like all of this shame, you know, like in Saul, Saul, uh, Saul but before he became Paul, when when he, Damascus and God blinded him, he went to Ananias' house and, he, and as soon as Ananias prayed for him, scales fell off his eyes, right? And he was able to see, right? That's what it felt like. I felt like these scales were just coming off of me. I remember like, I was like, oh, I have nothing to hide. I'm like, this is my soul, and I'm bearing it before this congregation, and that—that's like, like it, it was this amazing freedom from shame. It was more than anything. It was just this. It was this break. God was just breaking off shame off of me. And from that moment, I start to excel in the Lord, and grow, and I would go on these mission trips. And then like people were like, oh Caleb, you're such a good leader. I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? Right? I, I didn't even know. And people would talk to me, and people would say, hi, you know. And then we got married, and then all of a sudden. I'm doing God's work here in Busan. Right? And, and we've been doing this 10 years. Almost 10 years now, right? Doing and, and being used by God. But imagine if I did not break that shame. If God challenged me saying, Kevin, I need you to break that shame off of you," And I said, no! Right? Where would I be now if I did not break that shame, if God did not break that shame off me? I'll probably still be living in the soul struggling with my same addictions right? still having the same crappy understanding of myself and the same crappy understanding of God and just trying to get through right? and that's what that's the potential of what the enemy can do if you continue to live in that place of shame God is going to the enemy is going to steal your fruitfulness I believe I, I'm living a fairly fruitful life for the Lord I could be living more I could be doing more. And that's still something I struggle with. God, like, oh, should I be doing more? But still, I feel like, you know, there's a fruitfulness to my life and through my kids and through this community. And I I love you all. God God is being fruitful through me. None of that would have happened if I was still walking in my shame. Shame, the enemy will use shame and if you can't get at your soul, He will come after your fruitfulness. If you're, if you're saved by the love and, and the grace of Jesus Christ, that's a done deal. And He's like, oh, I'm still going to get you. I'm going to make you walk in shame for the next 15 years so that you are not effective for the kingdom of God. And you just have this terrible image of yourself. And none of the people around you is going to be blessed by you because of shame. It's a shame Will keep us from being fruitful. And number five, shame causes us to fear man more than God. You know, we do something wrong and we walk in sin and shame causes us to not just hide from God, but we hide it from the people around us. We fear their judgment. You know, shame takes over and now we're living like a duplicitous life, right? It's like hypocrisy. One of the things that Jesus hates. And that shame just builds and builds and now the fear of confessing the sin is so immense. But we're still in this struggle. Now, throughout all of this, our relationship with God is all messed up. And we fear man and their judgment and what they think more than what God thinks and, and the truth and His truth over our lives. right? And so, the you know, pastors struggle with this a lot. And you know, those pastors that, you know, there's been a lot of them that fell from grace recently, right? I don't want to name them by name and call them out, but there's been a lot of famous pastors, right? Really famous People that I've seen and talk in person, right? like I would go to these conferences, I'd be like, Wow And like you know, they 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 fought adultery and they've been cheating on their wives for all this time and all you, know, you have to pray for your pastor, you all gotta pray for me, right? Because this is some this is a struggle that we all have. Because honestly, we we sometimes we just feel like everything is just that much more just like like so much more of a struggle. Like it's like the lives of the enemy can be so much more when people are in, in place of authority. When we do something, right, you're just a regular person, oh, it's not bad, but when you're a pastor. How can you do that if you're a pastor? Right? You know, especially in Korea. It's like all oh, pastors need to wear a tie. I haven't wear a tie since two thousand sixteen, right? It's like, like like you know, we're all in this expectations and I always have to be like, Oh, what am I doing, right? I'm always having to remove the shame off me and making sure that, hey, right, I'm, that I'm not fearing man more than God. But you know, a lot of us, we, we walk in that, we fear man. We fear what people think of us, what people think of me more than what God thinks of me. That's a dangerous place to be in. It really is. But shame will always lie to us and make us think something's wrong with us. Something is wrong with you. Right? Something's wrong with you. I've heard that so many times in my life, right, where I would feel like oh, I, I feel, uh, you know, like I feel unqualified. I'd feel like inferior. I feel low, and the voice in my head is like, Caleb, something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? Right? So, how do we break free from chain? Well, we, we're made in the image of God. Let's we'll start from there, right? We're made in the image of God. And the lies of the enemies are that. They're lies. Jesus Christ made us new and cleansed us and made us righteous. We have a God-given purpose. We have a God-given destiny. Right? God is for us. No matter what you may have done or what may have been done to you, you are made in the image of God. And if we are in Christ Jesus, we're blameless, we're white as snow, cleansed of our unrighteousness, seated with God in the heavenlies, and the truth should always supersede, and this truth should always supersede any ideas about ourselves that may come from the world, that may come from other people, and especially that may come from the devil. That's why we have to always love God first. God, His greatest commandment, love God first, and then love people. Why? Because if we're hearing God first, but we're hearing correctly, but all of a sudden we're starting to like hear our identity from all these different sources. Like Caleb, you're this. No, you're that. Oh, yeah, this, and all of a sudden we don't hear what God speaks over us. We can't let shame distort how we see God and how we see ourselves, and the power of the gospel at work in our lives. If you truly are saved, and I'm preaching to Christians here. Right? I'm not preaching to non-Christians, right? If you really are saved, the power of the gospel is at work in your life. We can't let shame distort it. This means that we have to constantly go to God in prayer and in his word. Because his voice has to be louder than the voice of any other thing in our lives. We have to be true we have to go to the true source of our identity, right? If we're gonna hear from God, we have to go to the source. So number one is the Bible. This tells us everything about how God feels about us. And we need this. You know, this here tells us everything that God thinks and feels and has, like, anything about God that has, that towards us is right here. We need this to be our reality. How we see ourselves should be based on what it says in here. Not on, on, on what the world says we are. No. A lot of times the world says this about us and we start, you know, we start watching the news, we start you know, like watching TV shows and it's like, oh, this is me. No. The reality is what the world, what the Bible says about us, right? about you. This has to be our number one truth. And, and you know, not the devil, not the world, not even your friends, but God. And we're not going to know this until unless we meditate on this, when we're in this Word. Right, so we start with the Word and then we speak to God. One of the best things that we can do is we can speak to God. Right, we read the Bible because He told us everything that we, we need to know back in here. And then we pray and we communicate with God. And cast your fears and your burdens at His feet. Build a life of prayer. Right? So you're not just going to Him when you need something, but you're building a relationship with Him or you're communicating. If like Molly came to me, every time Molly came to me and wants to ask me something, that's not like a real relationship, right? A lot of times we treat God that way. Everything's fine, you're like, oh. right? God is on cruise control. I put Him in my back pocket, right? Then all of something bad happens, oh God, I need you! You take Him out, you're like, God, I need you! Like Do this for me, do that for me! And then everything's going well, you put Him back in your pocket, you're like, all right cruise control but no you need to have a love relationship where you're building this relationship with God where you're communicating with Him you're talking to Him in prayer and then number three after you've done number one and number two you listen now there's a word in the Bible or the word in in the Greek you know there's a word of God the Logos right and then there's Rhema I don't know if you have heard it but Mina says it a lot but the Rhema word is the word from God right now Right, the rhema word of God. Now you can't get number three if you're not doing number one and two. If you're not in the word of God and if you're not in prayer earnestly seeking God, you're not going to hear the rhema word of God. If you're not, and you might hear, right? if you do hear, it, right? if you're not in the word of God and if you're not in prayer, that rhema word from God will most likely be your flesh. Right? That's, that's the thing. You have to be in the word of God and you have to be in prayer and as you continue to seek him, what happens is God starts to speak to you the rhema word of God. Right, And a lot of times he'll speak to you about your identity, about who you are. And, he, and you just listen. And you just listen. He's like, God, I feel shame. And then he'll speak to you. He's like, no, you, you, know, you I, I see you completely different than what your shame is speaking to you about. Right, You're righteous. You're holy. You're good. Right, I love you. You're, you're, you're precious to me. You're so worth, you're so valuable to me, right? And then we feel like worthless. We feel like, oh, you know, you did something and you just feel worthless. All of a sudden, you know, we hear that Raymond Word of God, God speaks to you. And, it, and it's always going to be in line with what the Bible says, right? The Raymond Word of God is never going to be like, like you know, like the, the Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, although, right? But then, you know, you hear the Raymond Word and it's like, Kim, I'm disappointed in you, right? Caleb, you could have done better. Caleb, why did you do that? You get this critical word from God and he's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Uh, that's not the ramble word of God. That's most likely your flesh, right? Because it's always going to be in line with what the Bible says. But we have to break, in order for us to break that up, we have to go to God. The only person that can break shame off of us is God himself. Because he's the only one that, only, that speaks truth. Right, shame is, is 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 the issue of shame is an issue of truth. Right, shame is a lie, and the only thing that can break that lie is what, the truth. And and we're not going to be able to hear the truth unless we go to God. But we have to go to God in order for us to to experience God's truth. But I'll end it, I'll end with this: the only thing that can truly break it, it off you is His truth, and it can only come from His Word. And so it can only come from prayer and it can only come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to allow his word and his truth to wash over your life. And it has to it's not something that you just do it once, but you have to continually do it. You know like how, you know like the shame that I feel from my past? It creeps up on me. Even now. There's times where like I'll like be in a in a circle like that one remember Samaritan purse? We did that whole Samaritan purse and we gave those boxes and I was invited to this luncheon with all these different pastors and I was sitting there and I was, all of a sudden I, like this this feeling of just shame came over me. I was like, oh, what if these people knew? Right? What if these people knew? And, and I, I still, and I had to constantly go and, and find my identity not from what the devil says but from what the Lord says in my life. You have to constantly go back to Him. So it's not something that you do once, right? But you continue to go to God and say, God, I need to break this off me. I need to show me who I really am. right? You have to be like Ezra. Ezra always comes to me and asks me the same questions over and over again. Dad, Dad, are we going to do this? Dad, are we going to do this? You know, we got to be like that with God. we like, God, am I really this? And he's like, yes, that, that's, that's your real identity. And you go and you, you do your thing. All of a sudden, you feel like crap. And you go to God, and like, God, I need you to remind me again. Who am I? Whose child am I? And he's like, You're my child. I love you. You're precious to me. And then all of a sudden, you go back, and you and the world will always drive you down, make you feel like crap. And you have to constantly go back to God and say, God, who am I? What did You do for me? And he's like, I, I, You're so precious to me. I died on the cross for you. That's why God talks about a childlike heart, right? We have to constantly go to Jesus with a childlike heart. We stand on the word of God and what He has spoken over us, and that has to be our foundation. I'll close with this passage. I'm running a little long, and so I'll close with Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That righteous breastplate of righteousness is not your righteousness, it's Jesus' righteousness. And as she is f- for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is an example of how we can continue to break shame off of us. And we go to God. And God is going to give us the means. He's gonna give us what we need to stand firm against the, the schemes of the devil. And you know what? The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to only do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. He's either gonna kill you, right? By taking your soul, he's either gonna steal your fruitfulness or he's gonna destroy you through whatever sin that he's gonna he's gonna bring us into our lives. That's his own part, that's the only agenda in his heart. He's not like, oh, you know what? I don't think I'm I don't think I'm gonna destroy G1, right? I don't think I'm gonna lie to her, I don't think I'm gonna do this. And I, I kinda like No His only plan, his only thing in his mind is to kill, steal and destroy from you. How do we stand against that? We put on the armor of God, we put on the word of God, we go to him in prayer, we submit to his will, we obey. And and we get our identity from him. We go to God and say, God, who am I? Right? And he'll say, You know what? You're Caleb. Right? You're, you're my son. I love you. I, I, I cherish you. Right? I love you so much. I, I died on the cross for you. That's where we get our identity. So let's, let's close in this word of prayer. But I, wanna, I want us to respond a little bit to this. So Tiffany, can you come up and just play a little bit of music for us? Because I believe that shame is something that we all struggle with. Right? The title of my 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 sermon is called shameless but I believe there's no one that's shameless we all struggle with shame we all the enemy will always come and lie to us try to deceive us and I want all of us to close our eyes and I want us to have a time to respond and and You know, right now you may be feeling shame. There may be shame on you right now. And maybe because something that you've done or maybe because something that was done to you. But no matter what it is, it's this this nagging voice that says, something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? I want us to take a moment and if you do, have that in your heart, and I, you know, I know that a lot of people, you, you guys feel feel self-conscious about things like that, and you guys don't like to respond. But I want to tell you, especially with shame, there's this thing of taking a stand and bringing it out into the light. Right? And and I believe it's, there's an important aspect of you saying, "I I need help. I need to break out of this." And and and, and and making this response in, in, a, in kind of a public way and so if, if there is something that that you're a shame that you have that you're struggling with I just want you to kind of raise your hand nobody is judging you nobody is nobody wants to, to do it but if, if there's something that you want to break off of you I want to pray for you today I want to pray for you today to break that shame off of you. Raise your hand. Thank you. Okay, you put your hands down. Right now, I, I just want, I want you guys to envision what that shame is. Right, The feeling that you're having right now. I feel this way. I hear this voice saying, what is wrong with you? Right, And right now, I want you to declare in your heart and your mind. Right, I want you to declare it in your heart. If you want to say it out loud, it's okay. But you say, shut up, devil. That's a lie of the devil. I want you to take whatever that voice is and say, this is the lie of the devil and I will not submit to it anymore this is a lie of the enemy and I will not fall in line with this identity anymore you guys have to make that decision God can't bless it if you continue to, to to give that voice weight in your life so I, I need you to take that whatever it is whatever identity whatever it might be that that the enemy is using to try to get at you with that shame you need to you need to Deny it, and that is not from the Lord. Tell the devil to shut up. And I'm going to pray for you right now that that the Lord Himself, the Spirit of God, will come and start to minister to you today, and to speak into your heart the truth of the Lord, the truth of the Lord that His identity, the identity that He has for you will start being, you will encounter Him in the quiet place, you will encounter Him in the the mundane moments of this week. I want to pray that God will come and encounter you in those moments and He'll start to softly whisper into you your true identity, what He thinks of you, what He speaks over you, what He declares over you. The truth of God in your life so, Lord, I pray for the people, all of us in here, Lord, that are in some way struggling with shame. But, Lord, I pray especially for the people that raise their hand. Lord, as they lay those things at Your feet and as they declare that that is not from You, that they are the lies of the enemy, Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, You will speak the truth over them, Lord. That, that they are precious in Your sight. That You are for them. That You are not against them. That you you see them as blameless, as white as snow. That Lord, that you declare that you are they are loved, they are cherished, that they are in your hand, that nothing in this world, in heaven or in hell or anywhere in this universe, nothing, you know, life, no life, nor death, or any other created thing can separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help them to encounter you in those moments, God, where you speak. Your truth over them, God. I declare right now that the Spirit of God will come upon their hearts, God, and minister to them, declaring Your truth over them. Help them to stand against shame. Help them to fight. Fight for their mind. Fight for the, for the renewal of their mind. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I pray right now, Lord, that you will bring a renewal in their minds, God. A renewal in in their minds and how they think of you and how they think of themselves and how they perceive you and how they perceive themselves. And Lord, right now, Lord, we cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. That the lies of the enemy will be null and void in their lives, God we thank you, Lord. I, I just declare that we will be people that no longer walk in the shame, the lies of the enemy. But Lord, help us to be people that are fully embraced by the truth of how you see us. And so we thank you and we love you. Let's all stand up and let's close with a benediction.